Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. Hey everybody, welcome to Rooted Deep. This is Reba and Allison is not able to be with us today. I'm really bummed about that, but Andrea is back. So Andrea, we're so glad you're back. Um, And we're just going to kind of dive in. Last time we talked about art history. Um, And we talked about how that, you know, you as an art teacher in a public high school have an opportunity to teach an art history class that actually through its own telling of the textbook that you use and all of the things is really a telling of the gospel. Um, As these artists uh, that were back during the Renaissance period where so many of them were creating religious pieces of art that were sharing the stories that we read in scripture. So really when we study art, it's very fascinating because when you study art, especially in that time period, uh, the Bible is everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Thanks to the Catholic church. I mean, it's a response to the Protestant reformation, but um, yes, art is everywhere because they had the money to pay the artist, the, the best artist the world had ever known. So this is so, so this is kind of where we've been talking. So Andrea, welcome back. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. And um, last time, you know, we talked a lot about Michelangelo. And there was one piece that you didn't tell that I just, I just can't, I just can't let us go without telling a little bit of this. But we talked about the Pieta with Mary holding the body of Jesus. And um, so, but there's there was more. There's another Pieta. So that Michelangelo, so let's I know we supposed to finish with him last time, but tell us about that last Pieta that Michelangelo did before we transition to, to a different artist. Sure. And this, this is one of my personal favorites. Um, okay. It's one I think that gets overlooked. He did four Pietas in his lifetime. Okay. Um, this is Pieta number three, and you can find this piece in the Duomo Museum in Florence. Okay. So the Pieta, as we discussed, well, let me, let me just, I'm an educator. So let me just be an educator for a second. What do you remember Pieta stands for? Uh, It stands for pity. That's right. The word pity. It's the Italian word pity. Now, who was portrayed in a work of art called the Pieta? Uh, Mary and holding the the dead body of Jesus. Excellent. You you have just scored high on this test. Yay. (laughs) So this is Pieta number three. And he creates this after he painted the back wall, which we talked about, the back wall of the Sistine Chapel, the Last Judgment. This is Pieta number three. And in this sculpture, remember, he declared himself to be a sculptor, not a painter. That's right. Not a painter. Not a painter. So in this sculpture, we have Mary, the mother of Jesus. We have the dead body of Christ. But he's added two more characters to the sculpture. Mary Magdalene. And both Marys were on the side of Christ. Now that comes through his research in the Bible. Right. He's been researching in the New Testament and he knows that Mary and Mary Magdalene uh, were there at his death. Mary and Mary Magdalene were the first to see him alive. Right. So he, right. He, he's researching. So he puts Mary Magdalene. She belongs there. Yeah. He adds a fourth character and it's a man and it's at the top of the sculpture. So his pietas, uh, one, two, and three are in the shape of a triangle. Okay. Which is a symbol of the Trinity. So okay. at the top of the sculpture 
is another man and he's helping support the women and the body of Christ. Now, he says his own words and his by his own definition and de- description, he calls this man Nicodemus. Okay. Which is interesting because not everyone knows a lot about Nicodemus. Right. But if you're starting a, if you're studying a work of art and you want the true story behind the artist's intentions, remember interpretation. What is that step 3? That's what is the mood, feeling, idea, or message the artist is trying to send. When I'm teaching this piece, we have to know who Nicodemus is. Why is he in the Pieta? So we do a little research in scripture, just like Michelangelo did, to discover who is Nicodemus. Well, he was, well, you tell me, who is Nicodemus? You're the Bible scholar here. Uh, Well, I don't know if I'm a Bible scholar or not, but Nicodemus obviously was part of the he was part of the Sanhedrin. He was part of the religious group that um, that really was actually trying to condemn Jesus, uh, most of his earthly ministry. And then we obviously know that he comes to Jesus at nighttime secretly to ask him some very personal questions to figure out, are you genuinely who you say you are? Oh, that's so good. Already, yeah. we're at an intense moment. Yeah. Because the same man who is condemning Jesus and ultimately is a part of the Sanhedrin that's responsible for his brutal beating and death is now hiding at night so that he cannot be seen. And he's coming to Jesus trying to find out, is there truth to this guy? Yeah. So obviously Jesus has made an impact on him mm-hmm. because he's questioning and he, he doesn't want people to know. So he's hiding. Mm-hmm. Well, in this sculpture, Michelangelo calls this fourth character Nicodemus. And by placing Nicodemus at the death of Christ, holding his body, he's not with the group, the Sanhedrin, who were celebrating his death. Right. He's with the mourners who loved Jesus and believed he was who he said he was. And he's mm-hmm. holding up, he's identifying in the sculpture as a follower of Christ. He says, a change of mind and a change of heart. Ooh, it's powerful because it's never that's too, good. Right? That's it's really ne- good. It's yeah, never it's, too late. It's never too late. No, that's exactly right. Uh, and that's incredible. And, and you told me something very fascinating about the sculpture itself. And even though he calls this man Nicodemus, the face of Nicodemus is something that is very mind boggling to me. Yeah. So we really need to go back to the back wall of the Sistine Chapel. Okay. Because Michelangelo, as you remember, right. painted his face as the flesh of the skin being held between heaven and hell, not knowing what yeah. his destination would be and leaving it up to the grip of someone else. Yeah. Now he paints his face. And if you look up the sculpture, you'll see it. He's an older man now, Michelangelo. And he paints his face as the face of who he calls Nicodemus. That's incredible. I mean, really, how cool is this? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I am 100% certain Michelangelo chose to follow Christ. Right. We, we don't know that because we don't know his heart. We do not know his heart. But we know his art. And there's something very fascinating about him identifying with the man who had a change of heart and mind. And instead of condemning Jesus, he, he was a mourner who chose to believe and was mourning the loss of his savior. 
Yeah. That's and, just, yeah. Right? Right. So I, I don't know. Call me, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit glass is always pretty full. I mean, it's not yeah. even half full. Like glasses, there's, we yeah, got Yeah, it's pretty full. Woo! Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited um, because I'm hoping that one day that if there's truth behind what I believe the message of this sculpture to be, that yeah. one day I can sit down and have a conversation in heaven with Michelangelo about have some how pasta God with Michelangelo Ooh. and talk about what he was thinking as he did that art. Absolutely. Yeah. That's just, yeah. And I think this is the thing that I love because art is full of these types of things. And if you don't ever study art, you don't really ever understand that there's a deeper meaning or there's, there's something in that that you can't see. Right. right. Um, and, and, I think this is so great because knowing a little bit about the history of the, of the artist and knowing a little bit about the history of the work that he did and knowing that that's his face, actually, mm. it changes the piece, um, you know, and it gives you inner perspective on the piece you would not have had without that. So uh, this how, many, just, how many people have been to this museum or seen this work of art in a book or in a class? Sure. And have never thought a thing about it. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I studied art in college. I have a master's in art and uh, commercial art. I have a mm -hmm. master's in art education. And in all three of these, I had to study art history. No one told me that the face of Nicodemus was the face of Michelangelo. Yeah. It wasn't until I was looking for stories to share with my students to further the gospel that I found that information. So oh, how many people are missing... Yeah. Just how intense the sculpture actually is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's not, you know, and it's, we, of course, we spent a lot of time talking about Michelangelo. And today we're going to kind of transition a little bit because, you know, in history itself, you step away from art history and you get to history itself. And during this time period, there is actually a, a war going on as the Protestants are trying to bring the written word of God to the farm boy. They're trying to make sure that everybody can read a copy of God's word. Yes, we understand that the Catholic church does not want that to happen at all. Right. They want to continue to teach people the word of God and tell them what to believe. Right. So there's this war going on uh, between uh, the Pope and the Kings uh, as, as they battle it out over, over the Catholics versus the Protestants. And in this war and in this battle, a different group of artists emerge. Um, and so tell us about this because you've got history and art history happening at the same time. Isn't that so fascinating? It when is. You, when you start connecting the dots of what all happens, and that really is a true study of art history. Mm -hmm. When you find what influences the artist to do what they're doing. Sure. So at this point, after Michelangelo and after the Renaissance is the Baroque period. And that's where um, truly that, that war um, between the Catholics and the Protestants intensified because the mm -hmm. Protestants are seeing that the Catholics have been paying artists, the, not just any artist, the greatest artist. Right. The superstars of the day. Superstars. Mm -hmm to paint what the stories of the scripture. And, and I mean, it's intense because the Catholic church runs the government and the government has said it's illegal to have your own copy of the scripture, but not many people could read anyway. Right. Okay. That's right. Cause but it was it in a, Latin. So yeah, it was in Latin and it was a way of control. Yes. So the Protestants are saying we need to burn all of those paintings, get rid of them 
because what you really need is the gospel in your own hands so that God can work personally with you. And I agree with that. I don't want anybody to be confused by that. Yes and amen. However, right. <laughs> however, the Catholics' way to fight back was to throw more money at the artist. Got it. So they're literally out searching, and, and, and this is in Rome, and they're literally out scouting. They had cardinals who were scouting, like, like a, a college would scout at an athlete. Okay. So they're out scouting for new up-and-coming artists. Okay. And there's a cardinal who um, crosses the tracks. He goes to the other side of the tracks because there's Vatican City. Have you been to Rome? I have not. Don't even, oh. don't. I want to go so bad. It's, it's on my high, high end bucket list. Oh, okay, good. Um, let's please go together. That would be amazing. Okay. So there's Vatican City and it's a walled city and that is the holy city. Okay. But it's in Rome and it's hard to explain because it's kind of like Washington, D.C. is in the U.S., but it's not a part of any state. Right? Sure. So Vatican City is its own place, but it's, it's in Rome. So Rome, the property of Rome, the real estate of Rome surrounds it. Yes. But it's in these walled gates. So the cardinal leaves the gates of the holy city and he crosses what our historians even refer to as the other side of the tracks. He goes to the rough neighborhoods. Okay where the people are not known for being worshipers of God or committed to the Catholic faith. They just are Romans by citizenship and they are on the wrong side of the tracks. Got and it. He's looking, he's scouting for artists who do not by any stretch of the imagine, imagination uh, have any desire to commit themselves to Catholic philosophy. Sure. And he doesn't care because he's at war and he needs, he's at war with the Protestants. And this Cardinal understands that his role is to find artists to fight back. Yeah. So he's not looking for conversions. He's looking for painters or artists or whatever. It doesn't matter what you believe. I don't know that he even cared about the souls of man, to be perfectly sure. honest. He cared about fighting back with good art. Yeah. So he's scouting for artists and he finds one of the greatest painters to ever live. And that is another Michelangelo. Michelangelo Caravaggio, who ends up just going by his last name, Caravaggio, because he doesn't want people to confuse him with Michelangelo that we just talked about. Sure. Okay. Okay. So he finds this young artist who is probably 20-ish years of age. Okay. And um, all he knows is real life. And he discovers a painting by him, and he offers to buy it from him. Um, okay. For, for honestly, probably a meal and a beer, if we're being perfectly honest. He offers okay. him nothing for this painting, but he's a starving artist. And, and Allison referred to that in our last episode. Yeah. So he's a starving artist. So he's like, sure, dude, I'll give you this painting for a meal and, and a drink. Absolutely. Okay. So, so they sit down to discuss and the Cardinal sees his potential in this painting. And he says, listen, uh, you're struggling to find a place to even lay your head right now. You're living on the streets. You have no future. Mm -hmm. How about I put you up in my mansion, in my palace, okay. where you can have room and board. Oh, by the way, chefs on site, cook whatever you want. And you, you like parties? Wait, just wait. Wait till you see the musicians and, and the, the people that we bring in. And by the way, if you want to be educated, I'll educate you. But you, in exchange, 
paint for the church. Okay. Well, what's there to even think about? He doesn't care. He doesn't Mm -hmm. care that it's for the church. He's painting and he's going to be living the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Okay. he, He accepts the position. Now, here's what he made known to the powers that be in the heads of the church. He said, I am a sinner, not a saint. And I will paint from the sinner's perspective. Hmm. Very interesting. He said, I know nothing about the, the, think back to the Renaissance art. Think back to the holiness of God, even, even in the last judgment where Jesus is at the top in the clouds and the, in the glories of heaven. Right. You know what? I don't know anything about that. So when I paint those things, you're going to ask me to paint. They're going to be from the sinner's perspective. Okay. And guess what? That changed art forever. Now in 2022, I can look at his art and be like, right. Look at the perspective that he's showing us on. And, and I'll give you an example, but he's, I can say, look at the perspective he's giving us. It's Jesus in the flesh. Right. Instead of Jesus as holy and sinless. It's Jesus in the flesh. Gotcha. And that's going to change the crowd. All of a sudden, the marketing agent of the art that comes out of Caravaggio from the Baroque is going to really connect to the average everyday person who is not truly connected to the faith. Okay, gotcha. All right, I'm I'm tracking with you. Yeah, it absolutely does. And the church doesn't necessarily love what he does all the time, but he's so unbelievably talented. And if you look up his art, it's going to blow you away because we're talking about good grief. Cameras aren't going to be around for the next 250 years. (laughs) Right. You think you look at his art and it's like, you're standing right in front of humanity. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, He blows Da Vinci away. And, And some would believe that his realistic painting style it makes you say Michelangelo who? <laughs> right. When it comes to painting real human life and sure. skin gotcha. and flesh. Gotcha. Yeah. The only one I remember of him from my art history class was um, the entombment uh, uh, of Jesus, where Jesus is kind of, people are carrying him and he's, he's dead, the dead body. And, you know, he's kind of got the cloth wrapped around him and they're trying to, they're carrying him. And I, yes. that's the, that's the big one I remember from my study of art history, uh, mm. was that particular, uh, that particular painting. Oh so, my goodness. There's so many good ones. And, and as much yeah. as I love that one, that's maybe not even in my top 10. Okay. Very good. Um, so one that I use, um, is with my students is when Judas betrays Jesus because we study the last supper um, by da Vinci. And so they know the story of one of you will betray me. Okay. Right. And we have already talked about the Pieta. So we've talked about what Jesus has put through. Okay. I refer to that. I go back to that when we study um, the last supper, but now we're in the Baroque and we have Caravaggio and he paints the moment where Jesus is with the two disciples that went with him into the garden. Okay. And Judas and the soldiers meet them in the garden and Judas is pulling Jesus in to give him a kiss of betrayal. So oh, the wow. soldiers know to capture him. 
And he paints that in the moment. And you see Jesus who is being pulled in by Judas. And instead of fighting back, because he knows what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. Instead of fighting back, Reba, he is, he's got his hands clenched and down and they're, they're almost fighting each other to keep him from fighting back because he has just prayed. He has just been in prayer. God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not my will, yours be done. And I tell my students that. So he's just asked the father to please keep him from going through that torture that he knows is coming. Sure. We've already talked about. And here's Caravaggio, remember, is painting the real person, not the saint. Right. So he's like, if I'm in that position, I'm going to have to be holding myself down. Mm. Otherwise, I'm going to be beating Judas off of me. Right. So he paints it from that perspective. And it's so real and it's so intense that there's something about that painting that students connect with because they're like, oh, Jesus was human. Mm. Oh, he he was. Because the Renaissance paints him as, you know, better than human. Almost, you know, we know that he is God in the flesh. But we also yeah. know that he was 100% human. And that's a, that's a yeah. struggle. You, you just, that's what faith is about. You, you accept. Yeah. So we've got the Renaissance painting him as the holy son of mm-hmm. God. And we have Caravaggio in the Baroque painting him as flesh and blood. And you see it in this painting. Wow. That is so cool. And so what are, I mean, like, what are some other, you said you had like 10, like favorites. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, what are, what are some other, what are some of the other favorites that you have? Because I think. You know, these may be places where people go look these up and say, oh, I want to check this one out. Oh, I would definitely recommend you look into um, the call of Matthew when Jesus walks into <laughs> Jesus and the church hated this, by the way. They, they were very upset with this painting because he paints this as real every day. Remember, this dude was from the other side of the tracks. Mm-hmm. He's already proclaimed, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the sinner. I'm not the saint. I don't know anything about that. So when Jesus is choosing his disciples, he paints the call of Matthew and uh, Jesus walks into a tavern. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's like the uh, chosen, right? <laughs> exactly. And I, I have to imagine in my mind that the chosen takes some of their inspiration from some of these paintings. Yeah. Because it's so real. It, you know, so he walks into a tavern and there's a group of men sitting at a table and Jesus points his finger in this painting at Matthew and Jesus is actually covered up he's not the important one in the painting in the painting what is important is that hand of authority picking Matthew out of that crowd of men sitting at that table and saying you are going to be on my team I want you and he's just an average everyday dude yeah but see that's the thing the church is like no you're downplaying the holiness of God and he's like I don't know about that stuff, but you know what I know? I know a group of everyday average men and how cool it would be for someone to be like, hey, let me rescue this from that lifestyle and give you something better. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Right. Right? That that point of connection that I can have with my students in 2022 who are in a world where they're being taught that they're really nothing that special, that they have to do something outrageous to make themselves known. They're following. Instagrammers and they're following um, yeah, TikTokers and, and TikTok yeah. who they're they're doing these things that are making them outrageously known for ridiculous things to set mm-hmm. themselves apart. And here's this painting where 
Caravaggio, who is who is going to have one of the most interesting stories you could ever imagine. His life is messed up. You want to talk about someone who needs a savior. It's Caravaggio. And they're going to connect the idea of this guy who has an unbelievable talent. Mm -hmm. And he's the one who lets them know, man, I can, I can do something great if, if, if I follow Jesus. That he, mm -hmm. want, he wants me. He wants me. When nobody else wants me, he wants me because here he is in this painting picking out an average guy right to come be on his side wow that's that, really cool isn't that powerful yeah that's super powerful yeah. so is that your is that your favorite no i love um I, let me talk about two more so okay talk about um, two more. there is okay the death of the virgin okay. <laughs> And uh, this painting um, hangs in the Louvre in Paris, and I've had that privilege and opportunity to take my students there to see it, along with Mona Lisa um, and, and Michelangelo's sculptures that he worked on for that tomb for the Pope, which he right. never finished, by the way. He never got to finish that really? job. Yeah. That's so, crazy. So there are some sculptures that are started, and you can see them at the Louvre. You can see them in Florence as well, but... Um, so this painting is... He's hired by... Uh, a sweet group of nuns okay. who um, they just, they prove their, their kindness and their grace in this story, but they hire him because he's the best and okay. they want a painting from the best. And so they hire him to do a painting of the death of Virgin Mary. Now they're the church. They are, they are members of a church of Mary, the mother Mary, they're okay. followers of her more than they are followers of anything else. They okay. hold her in highest esteem. So we need to understand okay. the, the respect level that they have for her. Okay. All right. Now, along with that, we also have to understand what Catholics believe about the death of Mary. Right. Okay. They believe that she did not die a normal death. Mm -hmm. They believe that she fell asleep and was taken. So right. she never experienced death according to, and I'll be honest, I will say Catholics during this time period, I, I'm not of the Catholic faith, so I don't know what Catholics today believe. Right. But during this time period, that's what they that's believe. That's what they believe. That's, what, that's yeah. what I can say with authority. Yeah. So <clears throat> they hold her in the highest respect. Now, remember, this is our artist who said, I paint flesh and bud. I paint what I know. Mm -hmm. I'm a sinner, not a saint. So I don't know anything about this whole idea of not dying. <laughs> yeah. Because sure. I know death. Uh-huh. So he, <clears throat> this is crazy. If you look up this painting, you're not going to know this unless you do the research. But what you're going to see is a body that looks dead. Mary is draped in scarlet red, the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she looks dead. Well, that's problem number one, because they, they say she did not die. Okay. And she's surrounded by the disciples and Mary Magdalene who are heartbroken because they've okay. lost, they've not only lost Jesus now in death, they've mm -hmm. lost his mother and they are mourning her death. Well, Catholics don't mourn her death. They celebrate her being taken to eternity with, in heaven with Jesus. Okay. So now we have two problems. He paints mourning because he knows that he paints real death. Mm -hmm. But problem number three is the model that he used for Mary. Because he doesn't believe this stuff, remember? Right. It doesn't mean anything to him. So like many artists who needed a dead body, he went to the morgue 
and purchased a cadaver that was unclaimed. Okay, really? Okay. Wow. Okay. All right, here we go. This cadaver is well known in their little town as the town prostitute. And she had drowned in the river, drunken and drowned in the river, and her body is bloated and turning green. So when you look at this painting, we see a dead body and it's beautifully painted. Oh, his ability is otherworldly. I mean, his okay. talent is unheard of. No training, by the way. He has no formal training. He taught himself how to paint. Okay. And he outpaints anybody in the list of art history that you've ever heard of. Wow. So he's unbelievably talented, but here he is offending this group of nuns to the fullest when she's dead. She's being mourned. It's a sad scene. And she's the town prostitute and she's bloated after drowning in the river. Right. Well, the nuns, <laughs> he's, he, he's giving the painting to the nuns. They've already paid for it. And they're so sweet and they're so gracious. And they simply, I can just imagine these sweet little older ladies in their, in their habits, devoted to their faith. And they say, no, thank you. You can have it back. Oh, wow. Oh, this was a turning point for him because he's, he has in this moment been rejected and everybody in town's going to know about it. His work is rejected and they don't ask for their money back. They just simply say, no, thank you. We don't want it. And they push it back to him and his pride is destroyed. And this was a turning point for him, according to art historians, because he had been controlling his wrath and his anger, which we haven't okay. really talked about. Okay. And at this point, he just lets it all go. And doctors today would probably, according to our art history book, would probably say that he is manic, that okay. he um, needs to be medicated to control his mood swings. Got it. Sure. Um, and he's been holding it back. And at this point, he gets so angry with the rejection that he just lets himself go. And then he's going to be in and out of jail over and over again for um, crazy, crazy situations that are anti-church, anti-teachings of the Bible. And now followers of the Catholic faith who are devoted to the faith, true right. followers, want him dismissed, but he's too good to let go. Oh, wow. Let him go. They need him. He's too good. He's too good for the team. Got it. He's Ultimate. like they're starting... He's like their starting, uh, starting uh, best player. So they're not going to let they're him gonna go. Win. No, they can't, they can't let him go. So he gets, you know, released. He's in court over and over. There's court documents that, that show his conversations in court. And uh, all of a sudden he'll be let free because they need another painting. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Well, it's crazy how art was used as a tool. You know, we never, we never really think about people waging war with art. Um, but throughout history, People have used all kinds of means to persuade the masses to believe in a certain way. Today, it's our media, you know, uh, right. as we as we have our media that write pieces or that do journalism or whatever they do. And they're they're all coming at it from a slant to try to persuade the masses to believe a certain way or think a certain way. So if we just dial this thing back and we go back to this time period of the Baroque, we find that there were that there were artists being used and their paintings and their sculptures were being used to try to influence the masses to believe a certain way. Oh, absolutely. And um, at this point, it's religious or historical. 
Mm -hmm. or it's portraits of people. I mean, that's classical art. It's kind of religious stories, historical events, or portraits of people. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's at this point, it's all religious based on this, this war. This war that's happening. Yeah. And and it's talking points because uh, I, I teach that painting and we go back to the Pieta. Remember Jesus said, and Mary said, yeah. Michelangelo made Mary peaceful because she needed a savior. Um, and so we can reconnect these ideas and keep it fresh in their mind. But then yeah. I think what his greatest, the one that he's most known for, in my opinion, is his last painting. And he died young. Uh, Caravaggio died at 37. Okay. Um, and he's, he was a wild man. And he, um, he finds himself in a love triangle. Two men are in love with the same woman. Um, he's dishonoring the woman. So the other man tells the girl's mother about it. Um, so he challenges him to a duel (laughs) and duels are, uh, illegal and you have to have a per, you know, uh, uh, this wasn't part of your rapid fire in our last episode, but, um, I have a permit to carry Reba. (laughs) Yeah. I have a permit to carry. Yeah. Yes. So you have to have a permit to carry in this day and age, but back in the dual age, I don't guess permit was required. <laughs> it, it was required for a sword. Really? Okay. So he, he challenges another man to a duel over this woman he's in love with. Um, and he doesn't have a permit to carry. So not only does he win the duel, which means he kills the man. Got it. So now he's wanted for murder. And he's wanted for, he, he, he's carrying a lethal weapon and he doesn't have a permit to carry. I got it. And the church runs the government and the government is after him. But they're super torn because the church needs him to paint. And right. he's on the run. And they set out, they set out um, to find him and they offer a reward for his head. Literally, the church decides he, he's more trouble than he's worth. Okay. We, got, we need to get rid of him. We got to get rid of him. So anyone who captures him and brings us his head, we have a financial reward for you. The okay. man is so unbelievably talented that he runs to Naples and they hide him. The people, because he's the star. Sure, he's, I got you. He's the greatest athlete. It'd be yeah. like us hiding Tiger Woods or or Michael Jordan or. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. people aren't turning him in for his evil deeds because they want paintings. Yeah. So he's being hidden in households and he's painting. Well, he decides he wants the craziness to end because he's, he's out of control and he knows he's out of control. He has a problem. His, his wrath, his anger, his, uh, uh, his, his violence is out of control. He has a problem. So he decides he doesn't want to die. He um, is on his way to plead this is true stuff this is crazy he's yeah. on his way to plead for with the pope for um for himself to to get a pardon okay and he's captured so he's put in jail and he decides oh i'll do i'll do what i do best i'll do what they love i'll paint and while he's in jail being held he remember they can't just call up rome and be like we have him Right. Right. This is they've, a got process. To, they have to send yeah. a messenger and then yeah. they'll come get him. So he's in jail 
and he decides to do a painting. And this is one of his most famous paintings, and this hangs at the Borghese Gallery in Rome. It is intense. And it is David, let's go back to our David from the Old right. Testament, David holding the head of Goliath and the sword. Okay. With blood on it. Now remember, they have said, if the you head. can, mm-hmm, yeah, that's your I reward. You. So yeah. he decides to paint it. And to prove his guilt and that he's turning himself in, himself in, he paints himself at that moment as a 37-year-old as the head of Goliath. And his, his ability is intense. I mean, it, it, so when you behead someone, they're still alive for what science believes is about eight seconds. Okay. So he's still alive and his head is hanging. The blood is dripping. Yeah. Eyes are bugging out of his head. You can even see where he's opened his mouth as if he have, it was screaming from the pain when the sword okay. went through and there's saliva. Like his painting ability is off Detailed. Parts. Yeah. Okay. So it's the head of Goliath and it's him. Decapitated. Oh, wow. But he's also... He paints the younger version of himself. And we know that because he always put himself in painting. So it's the younger version of himself as David holding his own head as Goliath. Oh, wow. And on this bloody sword, there is an inscription that um, humility conquers pride. And he paints this to be sent to the Pope. He, and he's saying, I'm turning myself in. I'm admitting my guilt. I'm admitting my sin. And I'm yeah. asking for a pardon. So you want to talk about a turning point in conversation. Because this is real stuff. This isn't a made-up fable. This isn't just some um, Bible story, some would say. And yeah. I'm air-quoting that. I know people can't see me, but I'm air-quoting that. Because people who don't believe the Bible is true will just be like, that's some Bible story. Right. Now we've got the story of David and Goliath that I've already taught. We've already gone through the whole thing in class of what God did for David when he conquered Goliath. Right. And now here's this man who is not a believer, who says, I am a sinner, not a saint. And he is admitting his sin and that he needs someone to save him. Mm. So we turn it back to the gospel. Yeah. And we talk about all of us have sinned. And I even, I even, I'm like, and if you don't think, if you don't think you have, or you're not sure what sin is, 10 commandments, let's go over them. And they know the 10 commandments. They, right. they don't know really the ones that are sins against God, but they know the sins against others, lying, yeah. adultery, murder, right? So sure. we go over that and I'm like, none of us can even do those five that you've just named. Because if we're not lying to each other, we're lying to ourselves at some point. Yeah. So we can't even keep the Ten Commandments, which makes us all sinners. And here's this man who has committed one of the Ten Commandments, murder. Yeah. And he's admitting his guilt in that he needs someone to save his life. Wow. And we go back to the Last Judgment. And we talk about that painting and how mm. there was a point of decision. And here, it's his actual life. It's not his eternal soul. But yeah. remember, Michelangelo wanted us if nothing else, to consider what he painted in the last judgment and what is after death, what yeah. happens. And we talk about it again and we revisit it and it, it's fresh in their mind. So a couple of weeks, maybe three or four weeks have passed, but there's, they're reliving that point of decision again. There has to be a point of decision. 
for your eternal mm -hmm. soul. Now, the tragedy of this painting is he is released and he takes the painting himself and he boards a ship. He boards a ship to take him to Rome. He's in Naples. So he's down south and he needs to get back up to the middle of Italy on a boat and he's holding his painting that's asking for a pardon. And somebody recognizes him and they literally beat him down. And his, his, he needs medical attention. So he's off the ship. The painting is on the ship being headed to the Pope. The Pope is going to receive this and either grant him a pardon or not. And a pardon right. is not, see, this is another religious talking point because a pardon is not just saying um, you don't have to pay the price for what you've done. A pardon is we're wiping the slate clean yeah, as if it never happened. Right. Ooh, isn't that what Jesus does? Yeah, exactly right. Isn't that's that exactly right. Does? And so that's another talking point. And tragically, the way his life ends is um, he's trying to chase down a ship, another ship, to get on board, to go to Rome, to meet the Pope with the painting. And he gets malaria and dies. 37. Wow. The Pope receives the painting, not knowing he's dead, and grants him a full pardon. Wow. And he never knew because he died of malaria. 37. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, these, this is like, I mean, movies, right? I mean, this is like, you know, I mean, the stories and the way these people's lives, this is, it's just incredible. It is incredible. Well, yeah, it really is. So I, I think we want to end this way because we're kind of drawing to the end of this podcast. But I think one of the things that kind of as we step away from the stories of art and we, we kind of step away from those things for just a moment. And we think about the fact that I just love that you, God has given you a passion for art. He's given you, and, and I've seen your work, and I know that you're also not only just has a passion for it, but you're also a wonderful artist. Oh, thank so you. So God has given you an ability to do art. He's given you an ability to teach it. You have a passion for it. And you, you've taken those skills and tools that God has given you, and you've used those things as a vehicle to be able to share the gospel with your students. Yeah. But, I, you know, Andrea, I can imagine there's people listening right now, and maybe they're not artists. They're something else. Um, and, but, you know, I think the challenge for all of us is how can we take the passions and the talents and the skills mm -hmm. and the abilities that God has used, given us, and how can we all be challenged to think about how we could use our stuff for the sake of the gospel? Oh, that's good. Uh, and, and truly my, my hope is that someone has endured <laughs> the last two episodes of art and, um, they get that connection. Here's here's a little glimpse into um, the struggle that I faced at some point in my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm, um, and we haven't talked about this, but I am um, in my 40s. I'm single, mm -hmm. and I grew up in a time period where I felt, whether it was intentional or not, I felt so much pressure that in order to be in the will that and the plan that God had for me, I needed to be in ministry. Whether yep. I was married to a pastor, and my dad's a pastor, so I grew up in a pastor's home. So whether I was married to a pastor or I was teaching in a Christian school, like the options were very, very small. Sure, yeah. Or I was a missionary on the foreign field, um, and, and I knew in my heart that I was an artist, that I was mm -hmm. created to be an artist. And so 
about the time of my senior year of high school, when you're choosing what to study in college, I really went through a, a tug of war because I, I was trying to please the people who felt like the Holy Spirit says that that's what women should do. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Be a mom, right. be a missionary to your children. And, and those are yeah. good things. I don't want to downplay that. Like for women yeah. who that's God's plan for their life and that's what they want and that's their passion and their desire. I'm for it. But that yeah. is not what God created for me. And there was a tug of war in my heart sure. that if I followed art, yeah. if I followed public school teaching and not Christian school teaching, yeah. that I'm not living up to the full potential that God has for me. Right, right. Sure, I can imagine you felt that. <laughs> Absolutely. So for, for those of you out there who are not those things, God, God has created the great creator. Mm -hmm. has designed each of us as his masterpiece mm -hmm. to forward the kingdom. Yeah. To grow the kingdom. Yeah, so true. Reach people with the love of Christ. And we can't just do it. Yes, it can be done in a church. It can be done in a ministry. It can be done on the mission field. But it can be done in a public school classroom. It can be done at a coffee shop. It mm -hmm. can be yeah. done at a grocery store. Yeah, because we're called to be salt and light. And so therefore, you can't be light unless you, I mean, light works best when it's dark. And right. salt works best when there's no flavor. So, you know, we're called to enter a, enter a world that needs, needs Jesus so desperately. So if we just hang out in the steeple right. of our churches and <laughs> underneath that, you know, the walls of our churches, then obviously we can never truly be that salt and light. So the call is for us to get out there and to rub shoulders with people who don't know and find a way to share with them what God has done for them. Absolutely. And, and um, if we bring this back around, Dare for More is a ministry that is encouraging that. That, yeah. I mean, the whole point, and, and you mentioned this in the previous episode that um, I'm on the board for Dare. And I, I love this ministry so much because it reaches women where they're at. And then what, wherever they're at points them to bettering their life and the lives of others through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it needs not, not can it only be done anywhere? I don't want to limit it by saying it can be done anywhere. Oh, no, 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 no. God's design is that it is done everywhere. Yeah. So if you're in a corporate office, if you're at home with your children, Wherever you are at, God has put a passion, just like he put a passion in my heart for art. He has placed a passion in your heart and you better believe he is connecting that. He wants you to yeah. use that passion to share the gospel and reach others for the sake of Christ. Absolutely. Don't Absolutely. let the lies of Satan hold you captive to, no, I need to keep this separate from that. Oh, no, 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 no. God wants us to utilize yeah. where he's placed us. Yeah, our absolutely. passions with sharing the gospel. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely true. And so, man, I mean, I hope if you've listened today, not only that you may have learned some really cool things about art, um, and hopefully you're Google searching some of these things because uh, I think it's amazing to understand the stories behind this, but also really the purpose of all of this. It, it's more than just learning. It, it's okay. What can I do with what God has given me? Yes. What is you know what He skilled me to to do and to know? And so, um, you know. Our worlds, Andrea, couldn't be further apart in some ways. Um, I couldn't draw a stick figure that you would recognize. I have no 
no, I mean, no craft ability, no art ability. I can't draw anything that looks like anything. Um, so I don't have that. But where our where our hearts so much overlap is the passion God has given both of us to take the talents He has given us and and use them for His glory. Uh, the places He's put us, uh, the the opportunities that we have. It's like okay, you know, how can we throw a little salt and a little light around this place? And so today, I hope, man, if you're listening, I really hope that you will do that. Andrea, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast for the last two weeks. Thank you so much for joining us and for just sharing your love and passion for art. Um, and we'll have to get you back on here sometime and, and do some more fun stuff. I hope it, you know, people really love this. So if you did love it, reach out to us, let us know. We'll pass on your messages to Andrea. Uh, it's exciting stuff. But here's the big thing we want you to take away at the end of end of this all with and it's just like okay what have you got in your hands to do what has god given you yes. uh, and how can you use that for the sake of the gospel today uh not what did you do 20 years ago but what could you do right now uh as you move forward just to let people know how much god loves them and how much he wants to be a part of their lives so thank you so much uh, for joining us thanks a lot for being a part of the podcast today we hope you join us next time allison should be back and we'll be diving into something new so we'll see you next time on rooted deep thank you for listening to rooted deep to learn more about dare for more ministries go to dareformore.org and look up mercy workshop at mercyjewelry.org